community and fellowship. Each meeting will differ with a variation of inspirational lessons, games, crafts, food, fun, and whatever else God may lay on my heart. I encourage you to join us for our first meeting. They will last approximately two hours. So ladies, go ahead and let your husbands know, this is your time, alone, taking care of yourself and your spiritual needs. And men, you will ultimately reap the benefits because as said, happy wife is a happy life. So, let them come, take care of the children. But in all seriousness, I hope each of you can join me on this journey as we learn who we are as women in Christ and how important we are in God's kingdom. So I ask once again that you join me for our first meeting on March the 8th where we will talk about God's fabulous jewels. Wear your colors of royalty and come expecting to leave feeling like a child of the King. Praise the Lord this morning. God is doing such great, there's such great things going on here at Grace. You know why? Because we love God. Very simple. We love the Lord. We appreciate Him. We also appreciate all of you that are here today and those that are joining us as guests. We, we love you. We appreciate you. We believe God's going to do great things for you today. We're going to ask our ushers to come forward, these fine young men. You are not compelled to give here at Grace. We do this because we love God and He has been so very generous to us. Can you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you, dear God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver, Lord. Anoint the remainder of this service, Lord Jesus. Let your will be done. In your precious and holy name, we pray. And everyone say, Amen. We have a few announcements this morning. A great announcement is that Kids Church will resume this Wednesday night. Yeah, I hear the parents. I heard a praise the Lord from the parents. I'm sure the kids are excited as well. So Tuesday, please remember Tuesday, February 18th, that we will have a Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 9 a.m. And Saturday, February 22nd, we will have men's prayer in the A Center. We, we have to pray, church. It is essential to have a healthy relationship with God. Sunday, March 15th, we will have our baby dedication Sunday. Please contact the church office if you would like your child to be dedicated. And finally, there were some extra strawberries uh, that will be available in the lobby this morning. A carton will cost you $5. So if you want some strawberries, buy them here from the church. Can everybody say praise the Lord? You know, there's an interesting association in the Bible between worship and praise and the actions of God. You want to see something, you want to see God move in your life and something happen, you begin to worship God and you begin to praise God. And we don't worship God because we want something from Him. We worship Him and we praise Him because of how good He is and what He's already done for us. But our God is so good that as a consequence of your worship and as a consequence of your praise, our God moves on our behalf. We serve a great God, church. Can we tell him that this morning with the praise team? Thank the Lord. Before the praise team sings, I've asked to have this moment, the song they're about to sing, I've requested, and it's the basis of what I, I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to preach to you this morning. It's, uh, the song they're going to sing is, it's, this is a move. I've noticed every time they sing it, uh, it impacts our church. It impacts the environment.
Um, it does amazing things. But in hearing this song, and it's, it's so well done, Sister April does an amazing job. And uh, every time we hear it, uh, we've developed a certain posture when we hear this song. Uh, I hope by the conclusion of my message that I can change our posture so that when we hear them sing it again during our altar service or the conclusion of our service, it'll have a different meaning, perhaps a more rich and full meaning. So I'm gonna ask you to do what you normally do when they sing this song. Worship the Lord as Brother Ben just said, let the Lord have his way. We're gonna come back to the pulpit and preach the word of God, Lord willing. And hopefully the next time you hear it after right now, you'll have a different posture, different perspective. Worship the Lord as they sing this morning.
worship the Lord all over the house today. Would you praise Him? Everybody praise Him. Let's lift up the Lord today. Hallelujah. All over the house today, don't you feel the moving of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We need a move. so thankful for God honoring us today with his presence so thankful to feel that powerful stirring of the Holy Ghost here today I appreciate what the Lord is doing even at this moment thank the Lord welcome to Grace Church today everybody glad to see everyone here today and uh, we're all about kids church getting started up again this coming Wednesday we're real excited about that. And I'm going to ask all of you ladies to get behind Sister Ethel. Um, this is something that she has been, she and I have been talking about for almost two years. This is not new. And uh, this has been a burden of her heart for even prior to that. And uh, I'm going to ask you to get behind her. She has, some, she has a wonderful vision for this. Wonderful, wonderful vision. If you'll cooperate with it, and uh, it'll, it'll bless your life and it'll certainly bless others. God will use you to be a blessing to others. And then that one big announcement that everybody can't wait to hear is we'll be having a business meeting, our annual church business meeting on Sunday evening, March the, third, or March the 1st. I believe that's two weeks from today. And that will be in the A Center. You'll, you'll not want to miss. There may be some things talked about and announced that you're not going to want to miss. And uh, so plan to be in attendance. If it's packed out, we'll move it over here. So uh, the sentiment of my heart, Brother Steve, right there. So anyway, God bless you. Remember that business meeting Sunday, March the 1st at 6 p.m. We're proud of our quizzers. They did a great, great job yesterday in Lake Charles. They're getting better and better. And I'm certainly excited about our junior quizzing team, our experience team. They won the February tournament. Uh, they won the whole thing, and I think that's amazing. And we give them huge applause here this morning. From the Word of God in Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. You can probably all quote it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. And the Spirit of God moved. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I want to preach to you for a little while today. Just simply, we need a move. We need a move. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. Thank you. You may be seated. There are seven moves of God in Acts chapters 1 through 20. There's seven. Today I'd like to present three of them and speaking of the seven moves of God in the book of Acts following the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 
They didn't have to come in any particular order. So in Acts chapter 2, the original or first move of God in the book of Acts was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the 120 in the upper room. In Acts chapter 3 came a healing and miracle move where the lame man was healed at the gate of the temple. I'll talk more about that later. In Acts chapter 5, this is a move of God. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, against the Holy Ghost, and, and, fell, and fell dead. This move of God established judgment and authority. It ushered in godly fear, and multitudes were converted. In Acts chapter 7 was the persecution of Stephen, and it converted only one, and that was Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. In Acts chapter 10, there was another move of God. It happened in Samaria. The Samaritan revival began, and right in the middle of it, Philip was translated, literally moved instantly, about 19 miles to the desert, again, for the conversion of one. In Acts chapter 16, the Gentile revival begins uh, with Peter's vision, and the house of Cornelius is converted. This is the salvation of a family. In Acts chapter 19 is the seventh move of God. It was the Bible study move. The followers of John the Baptist were converted, and a revival of religious people began. I'll talk more on that later. There's a very exciting and sobering question that Grace Church must be willing to answer. Are we willing and, and, and to, to accept and submit to a sovereign move of God? We need one. We need one. Are we willing to submit to that? Do we truly need a move of God? I want to begin my message today with Peter's quote of Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. The Bible said they were all amazed after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the 120 and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem be this known unto you and hearken to my words for these are not drunken as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. This is that move of God, if I can add that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It came to pass in the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The Bible said, Joel said it, Peter repeated it, it shall come to pass. After the punishment of the Jews at the hands of, the, of Babylon and Greece and Persia and Rome and between those, in those 400 years between the Old and New Testament, their deliverance that came after that and the coming of the teacher of righteousness, which is Jesus, was to follow a move of God that we typically call it the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, did not stop in Israel. It spread like wildfire all over that known part of the world. 
the Holy Ghost was poured out on Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans and religious people. Miracles, signs, and wonders began to be the norm as God added to the church daily such as should be saved. This was a move. This was a move of God. I believe that God is still pouring out his spirit around the world where people are hungry for it. And I'll come back to that later. I want a move of God in Grace Church. We've been preaching this year in 2020. I've preached and taught about sin and revival and we're experiencing revival in some of our church families. But I want more than that. I'm not satisfied. I still want a move of God like we've not seen. And I believe today that we are ripe for it. And everybody said amen. amen. Again, I do not believe the seven moves of God in Acts chapters one through 20 were in any particular order. And please note, none of them were duplicated. Every time God moved, it was different. So all of you that says, I want a revival like we had back in 1960 and 1982 and all of that, God don't duplicate himself. Every time God moves, he exceeds himself. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I said every time God moves, he exceeds himself. The crowning moment of creation was done on the last day of creation, not on the first. It was an awesome thing when he said, let there be light, but it was gonna get better from there. Yes, it was. I don't have time to go into all this like I want to. I gotta hurry, because I've got a long ways to go. I wanna introduce to you and present to you today the, I wanna talk to you about three of the moves of God in the book of Acts. The first one that I wanna to mention today is what I'd like to call the Bible study move. It happened in Acts chapter 19 when Paul encountered the disciples of John the Baptist. They had already heard about water, baptism, and repentance. They were religious people to the best of their ability. They were following after what John the Baptist preached. God wanted men and women to begin to turn away from their sin and even turn away from the Old Testament tradition of the law of Moses. They, they, they did under the preaching of John the Baptist, but certain of these disciples stopped there, not pursuing the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When Paul encountered them, he introduced to them a move of God like they had never experienced before. So they had a move. That was a move of God. Religious people were shown a more excellent way. And I believe here today that we encounter people in our lives every single day that would go a step further in their relationship with God if we would open that door. We need a Bible study move of God. And we're having it. There's people here today that are teaching Bible studies. There's a couple here today that I love and respect highly. Their church of another denomination was having a move of God some 25 years ago, but he, the pastor was not able to follow through with it.
It was a church that Brother James and Sister Sarah Tomlinson was attending at the time. I believe it was Northside Baptist Church, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I will submit today that as far as I know, that church is no longer even in existence. But I remember Brother James and Sister Sarah first coming here. They were so excited about this move of God. Brother James testified that on a Sunday night, they had an amazing service. And the Spirit of the Lord filled that building of three to four hundred people as I remember brother James ran to the altar he was an elder or a deacon in that church and he ran to the altar and he sobbed and cried and prayed he said he thought people were staring a hole through his back wondering what kind of sin had he just committed he didn't commit a sin he was experiencing a move of God and he wanted more of it he wanted more of it he wanted more of it and when it didn't happen in his church he got up the next morning on Monday morning and walked out in his backyard to a beautiful clear sky and heard a bird singing and lift his head to say thank you Jesus and began to speak in another language as God filled him up with a baptism of the Holy Ghost standing in his backyard. You know what happened? They love God. They love the word of God. They do now. They did then. But they wanted a little bit more. They wanted a move of God in their life. And God brought them a move of God. Thank you, Jesus. was happy to baptize them in the beautiful name of Jesus. I remember Brother Bob Thompson was raised in a, another religion and uh, we met him. Had never really heard that much about Pentecost and, and Acts chapter two and all that stuff. And we taught him Bible study and we were sitting in my living room one night with him and Sister Yvonne and he started pounding his kneecap with his fist and said, I see it, I see it because the church he grew up in did not teach in one God, but he looked me in the eye and I'm like, what do you see, what do you see? And he said, I see it, there's one God and his name is Jesus. You know why it happened? Because he wanted a move of God in his life just prior to that God had already filled him up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus name why because he wanted a move of God in his life there's another man I'll hesitate to call his name but of another denomination I met him some 20 plus years ago still serving God today but he got interested in a young lady that attended our church and he was of another persuasion and she let him know that I'm not gonna date you or marry you until we can get all this church stuff and religious stuff squared away and uh, she said, would you do a Bible study with pastor? Hunter, I taught him the two two-day Bible studies. After the one God Bible study, he looked at me just as dead pan as could be. He said, I see that. Can we go on to the next one? I taught him our apostolic Bible study about them repentance in Jesus' name, baptism and filling of the Holy Ghost. He said, when can I do that? I want to be baptized. Can we do it today? I see that. And just like that, he converted. Still serving God today. He married the young lady out of our church. They're very involved in the church they attend right now. Why did that happen? Because he was hungry for a move. One more illustration. I met a man when we were in Youngstown. I'll never forget this. He, was, he grew up Trinitarian Pentecostal. They did everything just like we as oneness people did, except they taught the Trinity baptized in the Trinitarian formula. 
And when he heard about us, he said, I want nothing to do with that. His best friend started coming to our church and his best friend kept on and on. You need to come. It's just like the church we grew up in. They shout and dance and have their gifts of the spirit and they talk in tongues and all that stuff. You need to come, you need to come. Finally, he came. And he let me know right now, I may come from time to time to visit, but I want no part of this stuff. And uh, so uh, time passed and we were able to keep talking to him, working with him. He was a janitor, he cleaned buildings at night. And he called me one night at about, it was about 12.30 in the morning. And I answered the phone all groggy, hello. And he said, Pastor Murphy, this is Joseph. You'll never believe what I've been doing. I could still hear his voice in my ear. He said, I've been dancing for about the past 30 minutes with a vacuum cleaner. Do you know what John 1, 1 says? Before I could answer, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He said, do you know what verse 14 says? And the word was made flesh. Do you know what that means? That means Jesus was God. I just got a revelation of God in Christ. Why did it happen? Because he wanted a move of God and I pray today here at Grace Church that somebody here would desire a move of God in your life to be manifest in someone else's hallelujah what if we had about 10-15 people here today that committed I'm going to find somebody here's the point Here's the point. If you have a move of God going on in your life, you find someone else to manifest that move of God. If you're not having a move of God, don't bother. I'll come to you later in the message. But we are having people here today. Brother Wheeler told me this week, that he just started a Bible study. Brother Dave Bunch is teaching a Bible study. I believe Brother Steve's teaching Bible study. Kelton's teaching Bible study. And if there's others I don't know about, forgive me. Um, right now I'm embarking on several myself because we need a Bible study revival because there's people out there. There's people out there that are hungry for a move of God and they're looking for their Philip that God would bring into their life unexpectedly to show them as Paul did with Aquila and Priscilla, a more excellent way. Gotta hurry, gotta keep moving. The second move of God in Acts that I wanna mention is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost move. This is Acts chapter two, we're all familiar with it. This was the first and original move of God as it pertains to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You will notice, you will notice, you will notice in Peter's sermon, in Acts chapter two, go home and read it. Don't do it now, but read it when you get home. There was no doctrine and there was no holiness. He preached about how you people crucified Jesus. You nailed him to a cross, but he was resurrected on the third day. And when he got done, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then came the plan. We want to skin the fish before we get them in the boat. Peter didn't do that. He preached an anointed message about Calvary, about Jesus dying for them and spilling his blood for them. And they said, you know what? We want to move. We want a move of God in our life like that. Men and brethren, what must we do? So 120 
Got a move of God. Now on to move number three. They had a miracle move. Folks, this is going to get kind of tricky, and I'm going to ask you to fasten your seatbelt. In Acts chapter 3, a healing miracle revival comes. A healing, healing miracle move of God comes. It's introduced, it's introduced by Peter and John going to the temple to pray. And Peter opens the door by saying those infamous words. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. I'm gonna come back to that in just a few minutes. It's not just people being saved in Acts chapter two, but now they're being healed in Acts chapter three. I want you to take a short journey with me through the scripture, and I want you to notice some things perhaps that you've never heard before, but in Matthew chapter 10 verse one, Jesus gave his disciples power to heal. And when he had called Unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. But three chapters later, they lost it. They needed a move three chapters later. Here's why. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not mother? his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joses and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? He was doing all these things in their company in front of their eyes and they were offended at him and Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house and he did not mighty works for there because of their unbelief. They refused to believe in the sovereignty and power of God. They sloughed it off. They chose to believe anything and everything else, even after they had been exposed to his power to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. They treated it as if it were nothing to them. He was only a man. I can truthfully say to you today, they needed a move of God because he had just taught them kingdom parables in Matthew 13, and they ungodded him. They took away his deity and sovereignty. It's similar to us when we see a move of God and then walk out the door as nothing happened. We ungod the church. We ungod the preacher. We ungod God's people. 
We unguard the gifts of the Spirit. I saw it several Sundays ago and I mentioned it and I've talked to several people about it since. We had a powerful move of God on the Sunday I preached to you as conviction died. And there was a gift of tongues and an interpretation of that tongue. And I watched the people it was most applicable to walk out the door as though nothing happened unmoved and unstirred. And it occurred to me, my God, we need a move of God like we we've never seen. We need for God to intervene. And it occurred to me that people who attend church have ungodded the church as though God isn't even here anymore. That wasn't God. That was just emotion. It was just hype. So you'll notice in Matthew chapter 14 through 17 that Jesus did miracles and his disciples could only watch. He showed them again the second time that he was God manifested in the flesh. The disciples didn't heal anyone after Matthew 13. They needed a move of God. You may ask, why did this happen? Let me explain. Jesus had just taught them kingdom parables in Matthew 13. And here's your answer as he explained it to them. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them, the unbelievers, I'll come to it later. I'm not going to get into it now. I don't have time. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. He that hath uh, shall have more in abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing you shall hear and not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive for this people's heart is waxed gross and their eyes are dull of hearing and their eyes have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and they should understand with their heart and should be converted that I should heal them he tells his disciples but blessed are your eyes for they shall see and your ears for they hear for verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And he begins to teach them kingdom parables announcing to them his deity. Please notice the unique way that Jesus often answered questions. Jesus didn't answer their question directly. He didn't explain why parables were so effective at getting a message across. And he didn't explain that he used common day situations to make things easier to understand. Actually, he introduced a topic that the disciples didn't expect. Jesus stepped into the challenging arena of God's sovereignty. And as we read his response, it appears that he is saying that some people are granted the right to understand God's truth, but others are not given that privilege. When we, in our finite understanding, try to understand God's ways, our heads are prone to explosive responses like, why did God do that? But we ignore the obvious. We ignore obvious facts with these responses. Those who seek after God's truth are given a promise. They will find it. Y'all are young. 
you're having a hard time understanding. I'm not doing a good job communicating today. I pulled up the, the, the YouTube video clip this week to watch the song the praise team just sang. Who's the lady that sings it? Something Cobb. Who? Tasha Cobb. I pulled it up. I'll be honest with you. I was sitting in my office at home in my recliner. I laid it back as far as I could go. My tears streamed into my ears because that camera pan, that crowd, as she was singing and their hands were lifted all over the house and people were speaking in tongues. You know what they're doing? They're looking for more truth. They're hungry for a move of God. We criticize them and say, oh, look at how they're dressed and look at how they live and all that. But what we miss is that they are hungry for a move of God. They're hungry for a move of God. That's why we need a Bible study revival. That's why we need for somebody here at Grace Church to reach out to somebody else and say, hey, I've got a move of God going on in my life because I see these things. Let me share with you my move of God. While, while we're pointing a finger at them and saying, look how they're dressed and look how they live and all that kind of stuff. God's looking at us and said, you do perceive these things. You have seen these things. You have heard these things. You do understand these things. Why do you want to go backwards and be like them? Those, listen to pastor. I'm biblical here this morning. Those who don't seek biblical truth aren't going to find it. If you don't seek it, you won't find it. And the thing that bears down us so on us so hard is our very modern secular society that says, I really don't believe all that anyway. I really don't care about all that anyway. This especially applies to people who are lukewarm and backslidden and carnal because they've already known God previously through the power of the Holy Ghost and we systematically dismiss God. We have ungodded the church. Jesus promised to reward those who diligently seek him. The prize that true disciples seek after is God. That's the prize, nothing else. He has always been there for those who seek after him. The mysteries of the kingdom of God are revealed by God only. Jesus said to whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he that has uh, shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away. Even that he hath, that ought to scare some of us to death here today. It's saying whosoever has, Jesus is talking about spiritual wisdom, insight, and hunger. If a person has a hunger and thirst, 
for righteousness, he or she will gain more of it. In this verse we see that those who only have a small portion of spiritual wisdom and don't pursue it, they will lose even what they have. God doesn't give out awards to everyone just for playing the game. Those who give effort in spiritual things will be rewarded. Those who stand on the sidelines and mock spiritual things will lose. Let's continue. Matthew 13, 15, therefore Jesus said, I speak unto them in parables because they see seeing see not and hearing hear not neither do they understand in this verse it sounds like Jesus is about to explain his use of parables but actually it appears that he still skirts the issue slightly he just goes on to explain that this lack of spiritual hunger or curiosity was predicted by the prophets of the Old Testament Matthew writes that their spiritual blindness and closed ears are the reason for the use of parables perhaps the parables in and of themselves are the punishment it keeps them from the truth that they are or avoiding. The more they know and still reject, the greater degree of consequence that comes with time. Though they have the ability to see and hear, instead they refuse to use what God has given them. They fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah when he said, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and you will still not perceive. The prophet Isaiah said this would happen. If the words weren't clear then when the prophet spoke them, surely they were clear when Jesus did. But here's the irony. The disciples were spiritually hungry and looking for the answers. If the uninterested crowd had heard Jesus' explanation, it probably would have angered them instead of causing them to seek out the truth. That's how it works with lukewarm and the spiritually out of touch. So Jesus continues to quote Isaiah. He said, for this people's heart is whack gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should have understanding with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. They have eyes and ears they refuse to use. The hearts of the people have become grossly carnal and worldly. Specifically, the prophecy was applied to Egypt, to Israel, but generally it applies to human nature. You don't have to tell me how many Christian people rarely pick up their Bibles or pray a daily prayer or witness to the lost. It's a plague among the church, the principle that has held firm for many years. We don't usually take time for spiritual matters. I think it's one of the key reasons why God established Sunday church and blesses Wednesday night church. We need to break away from daily chores and, and issues and set our mind on God's things, not our things. Remember the silver and gold have I none statement. If we look closely at this verse, we see another tragic irony. If the people would just stop for a moment and look and listen to God, he would heal their heart. He would heal their mentality. He would heal their perspective. He would heal their attitude, their marriage, their home, their body, but they won't take the time. It's where God told Solomon in Second Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and forgive their sin and would heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place, he said. Folks, we need a move. There's people sitting here today they need to embrace the move of God that's going on in your life right now and stop fighting it. 
But to the hungry disciples, to the open-minded disciples, notice what Jesus said again in Matthew 13. But blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears, for they hear. Only the willing and the hungry understand the kingdom parables. We're having the move of God in Grace Church. Yes, we are. But not everybody's moving with it. Not everybody wants to submit to it. When you don't, you're left behind. And the consequences are far greater as though you had not moved at all. They would be even greater. Because you've been exposed. You've been exposed. You've been exposed. So back to Acts 3. Here's my message. Here's my sermon. That's why Peter said to the lame man, this is what I believe. Silver and gold have I none, he said. I don't believe that Peter was necessarily broke or even poor. His point was that money, the world, and sin, and carnality, and lukewarmness, and backsliding, and unfaithfulness, that wasn't his priority. His job and hobby wasn't the big deal in his life. Coming to church when I can, bitter, with an unforgiving spirit, wasn't his deal. Jesus was his only deal. He didn't come to give the man money. And he didn't mention money because it was on his mind. He mentioned money because it's on the mind of the lame man. Y'all hear me? Here comes my message. Peter was having a move of God in his life and he needed somebody to be the recipient of it. He was having a move of God in his life and he wanted somebody to be a recipient of it. All right? You know why Brother Steve and Brother Kelton, they have folks here at church with them today. You know why? They have had a move of God in their life. I had lunch with Kelton a few days ago and he said, I want to get back to the way I used to be when I was a soul winner, he said. As a teenage, as a young man, a teenager in our church in Baker years ago, he won eight or ten of his friends to the Lord and brought them and set them on the front row and they all sang and danced and worshiped. Back in those days, Sister Bunch, you'll remember, you were there. He turned our church upside down. Casey's only problem is he didn't win any girls. They were all boys. But he wanted a move of God. He got one in his life. This is my message. Y'all aren't hearing it yet. He was having a move of God and he needed somebody to be a recipient of it. Y'all still aren't hearing me. You're still not getting it. What does that mean, Pastor Murphy? I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. Every church needs its signature miracle. Every church needs its signature miracle. Grace Church got its miracle several years ago. Candace, how old are your twins? I'm going to go back to this story. Eight. I'll never forget that night. We were standing in the lobby, and she showed us the little baby picture before they're born. And there were two little babies. 
and she miscarried and lost one. But a few months later, when she went into labor, two babies was born, and they're here today. Both of them are here. You're still not hearing me. I hate to say it, but I'm gonna sound like Jeff Arnold here for a minute. You ain't hearing me today. Every time I see him, every time I see him, you know what happened that night? Brother Billy told me later, he said, Pastor, God promised me that I was gonna have a grandson and a granddaughter. He promised that to me. And when she miscarried one of those babies, I went out in the parking lot. I didn't sit out in the, in the outside in the waiting room and cry about what happened. I wanted a move of God. I wanted a move of God. And he said he prayed, and he prayed. You know what God did? God put a move of God on the inside of that man. He just needed somebody to be a recipient of it. I think somebody's catching on. I think somebody's beginning to understand. You know what happened to Kelton? You know what happened to Steve? I'll run that by you again. They were having a move of God in their life and they needed somebody to be a recipient of it. All right, sit down. I'm I'm almost done. If this was because of the time, y'all would give me an hour and a half, but since it's Grace Church, I only get 40 minutes. Every church needs a signature miracle. In the Acts chapter two move of God, we misunderstand what happened. I've heard it all of my life. God's dealt with me about this stuff. I believe I'm hearing from the Lord. I believe I'm hearing from God. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that move of God, wasn't 3,120. It was only 120 that got the move. But those 120 had a move of God in them, and they needed somebody to become the recipient. Y'all get scared to death in this kind of preaching. hundred and twenty got the Holy Ghost and they took that move of God outside and three thousand more received the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter three, this is what I'm waiting for. In Acts chapter three, Steve, Peter and John were going to prayer meeting. They weren't leaving it. Their move of God didn't happen in the prayer meeting. They were showing up with a move of God. And they saw the lame man. I don't think that's the first time they saw that lame man either. I think they had seen him plenty of times because he had been laid there every day for years. But since the last time Peter saw him in comparison to this time, Peter was having a move of God in his life. I still don't think y'all are hearing me. And he looked at that man and said, silver and gold have I none. 
I don't believe he was broke and I don't believe he was poor. What he was trying to tell the man is I am broken, poor in comparison to what's going on on the inside of me. And I'm tired of looking at you not being able to walk every day. So I'm having a move of God in my life and I need a recipient. I need a receptacle. So such as I have. Hey, it went by. It went by you, went by you. If you're having a move of God in your life, Brother Donnie, there's no reason why you should walk by that needy person again and say, well, I'm just gonna walk by and not bother with you today. But something ought to rise up. Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It's a move of God in our life. And we need a recipient Now, back to the song the praise team sang. I'm looking for my lame man. It don't have to be a lame man, it can be anybody, but I'm looking for somebody to be a recipient of what's going on in my life right now. I'm engaging four Bible studies right now And I just opened myself up this morning for a fifth one. I'm looking for a Bible study revival. That's something all of us can do. But all all of us can also be a Peter and a John. And you can walk by the same needy person in your life. You can walk by them tomorrow just like you did last week. Or you can walk by them tomorrow with a move of God going on in your life. And then everything changes. They sang this morning that mountains are still being moved and strongholds are still being loosed and God we believe because yes, we can see it that wonders are still what you do and bodies are still being raised. But here's what got me. Giants are still being slayed. If David of the Old Testament was sitting here at Grace Church, you know what he would be doing? Oh God, there's a giant out there. Oh God, slay that giant. Oh God, get rid of that giant. God, we've got to get rid of that giant. God, that giant is a hindrance to your work and your kingdom. Oh God, Goliath is tearing your kingdom apart. God, get rid of that giant. God, slay that giant. Let me introduce you to a little fact. They could have prayed that prayer to their teeth fell out and Goliath would have died at a ripe old age. You know what had to happen? It's God had to move on somebody and somebody walk out there way overmatched, way overmatched and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. David had a move of God. He just needed somebody. Y'all stand with me. So here's where the song changes, Brennan. 
good end of me. Here's what we need. The song to change, Hunter. Bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slayed. God, we believe. Yes, we can see it. We are here for you. Come and do what you do through me. That's where it changes. Don't just come and do what you do, but come and do what you do through me. Peter and John never stopped by that lame man. He would have died a lame man. And there's people in our lives today that are gonna die a ripe old age lost because we refuse to share our, our move of God. We pray and we pray. God has pounded me with this over the past several weeks. I couldn't wait to get to the pulpit this morning. We pray for people. God, do this. God, do that for them. God, do this for them. God, do that for them. And he's saying, I will and I want to, but I need you to do it. answer me this question. You answered out loud verbally. Who killed Goliath? Oh, you Pentecostal wieners. I'm scared to death to answer that question. There's about four people that said, Goliath? Goliath. Who killed Goliath? Say it! God didn't do that. God didn't have the sling. God didn't have the five stones. God didn't swirl that thing around his head and let that stone go. David did it. You know where God stepped in? When the stone left the sling. God got a hold of that stone and it went around that tree and this rock and up and down and up and down and boom! Somebody has to sling the stone. You know why missionaries overseas have so many miracles? Jonathan and Michelle and Matthew just got back from Norway. You know why they have so many miracles? Because they don't have this little cushy environment. And part of the reason I believe that David went out on that battlefield and fought Goliath is he got sick of the belly aching and the bitterness and the backslidedness and the carnality that he was hanging out with. Saul tried to put his armor on him. Here, go do it for me. Saul, you need to be the one out there doing it. So I'm going to ask somebody, the next time God speaks to you when you're sitting in a restaurant to get up and go pray for that person, get up and go do it. I've done it. It's awkward. It feels really weird to look at a lame man that you walked by for years and say, you know what? I'm gonna raise you up today, buddy. It feels really awkward. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. And I'm sure David might have felt a little weak in the knees after his first two steps and thought, my God, what in the world I'm doing? That man is you and I'm about that tall and all I've got is a slingshot. Look at all the stuff he's got and the whole army behind him and I got a bunch of chicken livers behind me. that giant what could you do with your move of God if you let it go 
there's people here today that's got a move of God going on in your life right now. What could you do with it? They found their recipients. And they're not done. They're still working on people. Both of them have people here today with church. What could happen? There's somebody that's tapping into what I'm saying here today. I don't mean to belabor the point. But when they get ready to sing this song right now, I want you to hear the words. We are here right now. Come and do what you do through me. Tired of it being a prayer meeting. I want it to be a manifestation. So as they begin to sing this today, if you know somebody in the building that needs something from the Lord and you're having a move of God going on in your life, don't just stand there and pray for them. Go do it. Go do it. It's good practice. It's good practice. Y'all sing right now. Begin to worship the Lord. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. Through me. We are here me. Come on, somebody. Don't be afraid. Silver and gold Come have I none. But such as I have. I'm having a move of God. And that's what you're going to get from me today. I'm experiencing God in my life right now. That's what you're going to get from me today. I'm not buying your lunch today, buddy. I'm going to heal your legs. I'm not